Let's look at the scripture. Man, I'm all caught up and choked up with, with, with Jason and all the rest. So, Whew. Really, when we look at family, it starts with you as an individual. In order to have a good family, you must first be a good individual. And if you back that up just a little bit, it would be better if you came from a good family to be a good individual. And when you become a good individual, you can be a good candidate for good marriage. And if you have a good marriage, then perhaps you can have a good family in turn makes a good church that makes a good community. Got it? So it starts not when you get married. It starts with you as an individual. And hopefully as an individual you came out of a good family. But now, if you did not come out of a good family, uh, you know, don't, 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 don't beat yourself down because the Bible says, God says, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And how many of you can testify to this that the Lord has really changed your life? All the things that your mom and daddy taught you was good, but if they didn't teach it to you, the Lord had your back and taught you the rest of it. As a matter of fact, maybe some things that your parents didn't teach you so good, the Lord changed it and made it right. So it starts and it builds up. So I'm going to run through and give you a whole lot of nuggets, but marriage is a divine ordinance. Here it is in Genesis, the second chapter, verse 18. It says, and the Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see uh, what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. For, but for Adam there was not found and help me for him. Notice Adam had a job before God gave him a woman. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all all right? Homeboy was working before that's a job, naming all them animals and everything. Yeah, you, you, Mr. and Mrs. Zebra. Yeah, that hits some apotomuses there, right there. He had him a job. Hmm? That's what he did. Verse 21, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall. Uh, upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woe man. 
Because she was taken out of man. Good God Almighty. Did you not know that your wife is your prime rib? Everybody got to go and find their prime rib. If you sit beside your wife, just tell her, say, baby, you my prime rib. Huh? You tell her when you see her, okay. Amen. So you my, you my, honey, you my prime rib. Yeah, 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 yeah. So therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So marriage is a divine ordinance. Uh, Proverbs 18 and 22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. You sit beside your spouse say, you my good thing. And if she's your spouse to be, say, oh, you my good thing. All right? And obtain a favor of the Lord. I like the way God raps. He say, listen, he know about this relationship stuff now. Say, girl, you my good thing. Huh? Amen. Not only that, but I, listen, I done found favor with the Lord. That because I'm married to Veronica B., I got the faith ooh, of the Lord all over me. <laughs> A good wife causes you to have favor on your life. So marriage was instituted for God's children. I'm talking about the Christian marriage today. I'm not talking about ordinary marriage, but I'm talking about the Christian marriage today. And a godly home is a God, you know, advertisement for a life in Jesus. And so if a Christian couple is living outside a legal and sanctified relationship, their faith and prayer will not work. And there will never be a real harmony in their relationship. Now, sinners living in today's society, society don't know any better, so we're not talking to them, you know, because they don't know no better. They shack up, they live together, they do what married folk will be doing, because they don't know no better. Right. Now, we that are Christians, in Christendom, be Christians, we should know better. Now, it's getting quiet. Without marriage as a divine ordinance, you will have, you will not have a family because uh, God ordained and orchestrated and put family together. The world didn't do it. The devil didn't do it. God did it. And so you may have a group of people living in the same house, but not a family. And you will have living arrangement, but not godly relationships. We're talking about doing it God's way. So marriage is honorable. Did y'all know that? First Timothy 3 and 12, it says, Let the deacon be the husband of one wife, ruling their children in their own house well. Their own houses well. So that's the prerequisite. For being in leadership. So God's will is marriage. Say that with me. God's will, God's will is, marriage. is marriage. So marriage is necessary to, to fulfill God's purpose. That's God's will. 
And you may choose to marry or remain single. That's your choice. It is your privilege. And if you want to be single and serve God, then his, he will grace you for that. Now, everybody is not graced for that. But there are some people that are graced for being single for the rest of their lives. Paul chose to be single in 1 Corinthians 7, 6, and 7. But I speak this by permission and not of command, Paul said, for I, wouldn't, I would that all men were even as I myself. But every man has his proper gift of God, and one after this manner and another after that. But can I tell you about the myth of singleness? People do not have a singleness problem. They have an entirely different problem called being single. See, the, the problem is with the definition, which was given by a culture, a social economic system under the rulership of Satan, the God of this world. There's confusion between singleness and being single. What are you talking about, Bishop? Okay, I'm going to straighten it out for you. Singleness, if you take a note, is to be separate, unique, and whole. Well, I'm a single, single folks out here. So, your singleness is for you to be separate, unique, and whole. Now watch this. Being single is solitary, uh, desolate, and alone. Got it? Man was single, separate, unique, and whole before marriage. So no one should marry until he or she is totally single. You don't get married to be whole. You got married because you are whole. You don't get married to be unique. You was already unique before they found you. You were somebody before they whistled at you or winked an eye at you. Or my God said, hey girl. No, you were somebody before they called your name. You knew who you were. I don't need to talk to somebody. I don't know who they are. Thank you. So God's view of singing is God said it is not good that man should be alone. He know he told the truth. Thank God for being with this woman here 40 plus years. I've been having a wonderful time. Hallelujah. And look like we don't look like we're not going to slow down. Hallelujah. Mm, glory. So God made the woman so that the man would not be alone. Having a companion for Adam was God's idea. Who idea was it? So God presented Eve to Adam and God did not give Eve as a wife. He must choose. Pick one out. Pick one out. You can't have all of them, but pick one out. So marriage will not necessarily make two halves whole. Marriage brings two holes together. You are a whole man and you are a whole woman. Ain't no such thing as a half a man and a half a woman coming together. So the word of God gives guidelines for a good 
marriage partner. Now, uh, he said, well, he talking about marriage. I thought he going to be talking about the family. I'm building up to that. I'm starting with marriage, then I'm going to build up to the family. Are you okay with that? Whether you are or not, I'm going to teach it anyway. So the word of God gives guidelines. You ready to write? I'm teaching today. For a good partner. This is what, number one, they must be a believer. According to 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. Number two, must agree with your beliefs and goals. Amos 3. How can two walk together except they be agreeable? Number three, must not be quarrelsome or given to strife. According to Proverbs 21. Why you want to marry somebody that's always fighting and biting? You want to mess about always throwing down. Come on. We didn't marry to fight. We married to love. If any hands are moving, it should be moving with some, some lotion on it and rubbing it down. That's the only hand should be, none of them hands should be done. Throwing, uh uh. See, some of y'all don't know what to do. You just don't know what to do. You ready? Here, here, here's, here's another guideline for a good part. Number four, must be willing to change or renew his or her mind. Romans 12 and 2. Hey! Some of you all are stuck in your mind that this the way I am and this how I was when you met me. No! You got to be willing to change and renew your mind. Don't stay stuck on stupid. Get yourself together. Some of us come from the backwoods somewhere, they just trying to make you better. Oh, this is how we always did it, and I how my daddy did it, and that's why your daddy had a pitiful relationship. The Bible is right. God knows how to make a good relationship, good partnership. So you must be willing to change. I ain't changing. I'm going to stay this way. And that's your problem. You think that the reason why you're having problems in your marriage is because that woman you gave me. No, it's you. You think that is him. No, girl, it's you. My mama told me that I should never let a man know everything about me, and I should always have my little secret stand, and I should always have something for myself on the side, and I should never let him be all in my mind. And what? If you want to be intimate, girl, you got to open yourself up. That's why you can get hurt from somebody that's close to you because you got to open up. But you don't open up for them to hurt you. You open up for them to make you better. 
But the devil gets in and say, oh, I know her weakness. I know his weakness. I'm going to use it against him. I'm not going to tell you my weakness for you to beat me down with it. I'm telling you that to let you know I'm not perfect and I need some help in that area. Come on now. I need some help in that area. I share my weaknesses with her later so she can help me in those areas. I don't share it with her for to get up here and just tell y'all, yeah, you know, uh, Bishop, you know, he, he just not strong in this area. You remember the next time I tell her something? <laughs> huh? So what we do, we, we, we make the change to renew and renew ourselves. Why did God give the person to you that you have? And then you say, well, now, I didn't, I didn't marry her for her to change me. But be honest, you knew what you were marrying before you got married. You knew what she liked before you got married. Now see, some of y'all want a 10, but you come with a zero money. A 10 going to cost you. Now, zero ain't going to cost you that much, but a 10 going to cost you. Now, some of y'all have married some of these expensive women. Now, come on, let's tell the truth up in here now. Now, you knew what you were marrying. So, you know, you got to make the necessary adjustments to deal with what you married. Now, you knew they liked certain things. Now, you're going to take that away from them? See, you're messing up already. you messing up already. And, 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 and if you ask the right question, a woman going to tell you what she wants. But sometimes we are not listening. And then this, this is what we try to do. We want to buy them things that we like. She, baby, I went down there and I got this chainsaw for you and, and it was on sale. This chainsaw was on. What's she going to do with a chainsaw? Well, if you don't want it, I'll keep it for myself. That's what you did. You bought it for yourself. My God. Boy, I teach you look like good God Almighty. I ain't saying nothing. What the devil she going to do with a chainsaw? I guess she going to go in the backyard and cut down some of the trees that y'all been wanting to cut down. Can y'all see first lady out there? Don't buy her what you want. You buy what she want. And if you can't remember it, write it down. Put it in that phone. You put everything else in there. Put it. Oh, hold up, baby. Hold up. Let me get it. Come see when I when I used when we was young in marriage. I, she uh, she tell me what she want from the grocery store. But I got it. I got it. And Lord have mercy. I forget when I get there, and my pride won't call her back and say I forgot. 
I done forgot what she said. This. Oh, Jesus. But then I, I stopped. I stopped. I, listen, I called up real quick. I said, uh-huh, I'm going to write everything down in my phone. I ain't going to put that, on, that pressure on my brain. <laughs> See, I got one of them phones you can talk into. And it'll record it for you. And I play that back. Oh, yeah, yeah, I missed that butter. Let me get that butter. can't remember you know you was looking at the game when she was telling you what she wanted and you know you ain't hearing nobody when you hear they in the game and she said now you got this and that oh my god did you see that pass <laughs> man that boy can run what you say babe what you say babe what you say number five must be responsible and disciplined Take responsibility. If you did it, you did it. If you said it, you said it. Let me tell you, did I say that? Did you hear me say it? Now you know you said it. Quit playing the nut roll. Now, listen to this now. I want you to make note of this. It takes a good husband and a good wife to make a good marriage. You can't get no good husband and a bad wife and it come out good. You can't get no bad husband and a good wife and it comes out good. It takes a good husband and a good wife equals a good marriage. Marriage is the greatest gift for God's blessings, but it could be the greatest tool for Satan's curse. In God's plan... Marriage brings total fulfillment. According to Matthew uh, 19, verses 4 through 6, it brings total fulfillment. I am fulfilled in my marriage. Now, outside of God's plan, marriage brings total misery. See, you think you got it going on. You the Mac Daddy. I got three women on this arm, and I got three on, and I got two in the back and two in the front. I'm the Mac Daddy. I'm sorry, I wasn't referring to you, Mac. I mean, I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. He got his wife that don't try nothing now. So you think, you, you, you think that that's what it's all about? No, 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 no. Outside of God's plan, it's going to bring you misery. One of the basketball players got about 12 children. And I can imagine he always broke. Because he got to pay for all those children he had. He ain't going to never have no money. Because he's outside of God's plan. And you can't spend time with all of them. They're all over the place, so you can't spend time with all your children. They're going to they're gonna come up short on something. We ain't talking about nobody here. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. And so when our marriage is not right, our, our whole life is not right. Ooh, write that down. When my marriage is not right, my whole life is not right because my marriage affects my life. People come to work. It shows up that your marriage is it's, it's in a hickety-pickety. It, it's a, it talks to turvy. It, your marriage is jacked up and you bring it to work.
It affects your ministry. God want to take you here, but he can't take you there because your marriage won't let you go there. You got to stay right down here. Until you get your marriage together, you're not going to go no further. And I mean, you could be gifted, you could be smart, you could be all of that. But because you will not do that one thing that God tells you to do, it's going to take some humbling. See, our pride get in the way when it comes to God humbling us. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, not even Bishop. I don't care how he preaches, I ain't doing that. That's why you're going to have a, a failed marriage. That's what you're going to have. And whether it's the husband's fault or not, he's responsible for the marriage to work. Ooh, I know that. I know you don't want to hear that. But it can be fixed, gentlemen. I don't care what, what scenario, what problem you give me right now, I can tell you it can be fixed, and it starts with you. You got to take the authority to get it right. God is counting on you. I don't care what you're going through right now. It could be fixed. And, and, and I, I didn't write the book. I didn't make myself responsible because there's something I really don't want to be doing, but I'm responsible. We ought to treat our spouse like we treat ourselves. That's what the Bible says. You don't go look in the mirror and start beating yourself up. You look in the mirror and say, oh, I got two black eyes. I hit myself twice. I flipped myself. I threw myself over the counter. You don't do that. See, our marriage is a mirror of ourselves. Oh, I got all this written down for you. Whatever is in the individual is magnified in the relationship. Whatever is in you is magnified in the relationship. You think that, well, it should be better because it's him, it's her. No, it, it's magnified in the relationship what's going on with you. Take a good look in the mirror and take responsibility for your part. It's getting quieter and quieter. Our personal strengths are seen in our marriage. So a good marriage is one of the qualifications for a leader in the church. According to 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, and Titus 1, 5 through 9, see the bishop, the episcopus, the overseer in charge of a group of believers, he, the Bible said that you got to have first have your household in order or you disqualify yourself for being over the church. So a good marriage begins with us, begins in us. Say that with me. A good marriage begins in me. Now you got to remember that. A good marriage begins in you. It starts with you. A good marriage is simply the relationship between a good man and a good woman. You got to take responsibility. Listen, it's not them it starts with me. I got to be the example of what I want to have in my relationship. 
We have all we need for a good relationship in, in the inside of us. Everything you need is on the inside of you. You can have a good relationship, but you just change your little nasty ways. Your little funky attitude. You know, you're just, so, you just so nice, nasty with it. And you say little things, you know, you know that's going to hurt. And then you're looking like, oh, what? What did I say? I ain't do nothing. What I did? I ain't do nothing. All I said was, and you know that hurt. And you meant for it to hurt. Oh, you meant that. Hallelujah. Wait, bitch, Tom, no. So to improve our marriage, we must improve ourselves. All right? Say that with me. To improve my marriage, I must improve myself. Uh-uh-uh. Now, don't look at them. You improve yourself. So your marriage is going to get better. Everybody got to take responsibility. I got to improve myself. What is it that I need to improve on? All right? Because some of us in here, we ain't called no name, bad, no bad. We got hot tempers. We get mad at the drop of a hat and think, folks, guess what you're looking at me for? Nobody looking at you. You just thinking that. Amen. You just got to improve yourself. If you know that you are lacking in an area, find out what you can do to improve yourself. That's all you got to do. Don't get mad with your spouse and try to project that on them. Just improve yourself. Hallelujah. You know, some women get mad at their man and then you just start, just go off. You ain't nothing. When I met you, you wasn't nothing. And the reason why I know you ain't nothing, your dad ain't nothing. And your granddad ain't either. Wait a minute now. If you knew I was nothing and you still married me, what'd that make you? You got a bad choice of picking nothing. Since I'm nothing... Why did you marry nothing? What that say about you? Nothing from nothing. I married something. I married a good thing. And I got favor on me the rest of my life. According to the Bible. Good God Almighty, testify for me, men. How many of y'all got favor for the rest of your life? Stand on your feet and let everybody know you got favor for the rest of your life. All right, you can sit back down. So to improve our marriage, we must prove ourselves. So we can't improve, our, we cannot improve our spouse and we can only improve ourselves. Don't get it twisted. Well, you need to go to school. Well, you need to do this. You need to lose weight. And you need to gain weight. And you need to fix your hair. You need to fix your teeth. 
You need to fix your head. Well, I can't help my head. My head was like this before you married me. What? So marriage is not what we work on. We work on ourselves. You got to work on yourself. If you don't take nothing else from what I'm teaching today, you got to work on yourself. So to start a good marriage, we must first leave our past. Ooh. We got to leave our past, y'all. If you're going to have a good marriage, you got to leave your past. Uh-uh. Don't compare her with none of them hoochies that you used to be with. Don't compare her with none of them husbands that you used to have. Uh-uh. No, no. You leave your past. Well, see, when I was with, when I was with you know, uh, Frida, she was, you know, Frida did it like this. And, uh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Don't you compare me no I'm, I hope no Frida ain't in here. I'm so sorry. I'm just using names. Ain't nobody here named Frida, y'all. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> so you gotta leave your path. So those who don't leave never cleave. So cleave means to be joined, united, adhere to. You're stuck like glue. Watch this. Make note of this. Hanging on your past keeps you from your future. You take that nugget with you. You hanging on your past, you're going to affect your future, and your future not going to be good. Let your past go. Okay, they hurt you. Don't put that on me. Because I'm going to cover you for the rest of your life. All them other fellas, they didn't, they, they, they didn't understand the beauty they had. They didn't understand the prize that they had, the, the precious, the delicate china that they had. But I see what I got. And so, all right, you're still writing. There's six ingredients of a godly and a successful marriage. Let me, let me speed up. Y'all ready? Right. The first thing is com commitment. Say that with me, commitment. That's the first ingredient, a decision and a choice to dedicate your life. First thing, you got to have commitment. Number two, you got to have communication. That's openly expressed about yourself, hiding nothing. You don't hide anything. You openly express. Listen. A woman should be so secure that she can talk to you about any and everything. So secure. If she's not safe to say anything to you, it's going to be some trouble. Because if she's not saying it to you, she's saying it to somebody. So you, you got the first degree, you got to have com commitment, then communication. Talking and listening until you really understand each other. You hear what I'm saying? Talking and listening until you really understand each other. 
yeah, I got it. And you don't understand a thing you, she said. And he said, oh, baby, I understand what you're saying. And he said, no, you didn't get it, sweetheart. You didn't get it. And if they didn't get it, run it by them again. Let's talk about it and listen until we understand it. Hallelujah. Now, it's, it's sad. You can go to people on your job. You know they don't like you, but you sit there to seek understanding. Huh? And then number three, uh-oh, here it is, a big one. Sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. sacrifice. Giving of yourself, time, possessions, and your rights to your spouse. Yourself, time, and possessions. It's a sacrifice. Jesus loved the church so much until he sacrificed his life. And you show, he shows you the, how strong he feels about marriage because he says, huh? Love her like Christ loved the church. Now that's love when you'll die for it. When you'll die for it, that's love. He died for us. He loved all of us. Look how these men look at my. You was all right, Reverend, until you start talking about that dying stuff. You was all right. I ain't finna do none of that. Sister girl on her own. Sacrifice. And then, here it is, intimacy. Uh-huh. Share your spirit and soul without reservation. You got to be able to, yeah. If you want to be successful, you got to have intimacy. And then number five, you got to have agreement. Growing together in the word until you think alike. Right? Some folks don't have no agreement. I don't care what they talk about. One will say that it is pink and the other will say it's black. No agreement. And then number six, love. Does not demand or take, but give. It is the foundation. If you love them, you give. If you love them, you give. You got to give, brother. She wants so much. You got to give. You got to give. And when your wife really loves you, she's not going to ask for stuff that she knows you cannot provide. Our problem is we got it, but we just don't want to do it. And I, sometimes, I don't understand some men, you know, the wife, she's giving you, the, you know, all right, you know, you're my head, you, you're my leader and everything. And then, you know, uh, both of y'all working and everything, and you just buy what you want. She don't say nothing. She's coming back, but I think I want this. What you want that for? When you buy everything you want, then when she, hey, you know, I think I want, what's she, you don't need that. What, how do you know what she need? And sometimes you ain't got to need something, you just want it. Let me just help you out right now. Some things you want. And I got scripture for it. He said he will give you the desires of your heart. You seek him right, he say, I give you the desires of your heart. What is a desire? It's a want. 
So here's the thing you got to recognize. Let me help you. Both husband and wife must recognize their difference, their uniqueness. We're not wrong, we're just different. We're not wrong, we're just unique. Your wife is unique. Your husband is unique. They're not like everybody. They're just different. And ain't nothing wrong with being different. You got to learn how to bring your differences together so that you can work in harmony. You got it? So, how, how are we different? I'm glad you asked that question. Here, here's six key differences between man and woman. You ready? The man is physically, you know, active. The woman likes to talk. Got it? Now y'all laughing. Number two, men major on majors. Women majors on anything. Right? Men are headline. They give the headliner. The woman, she going to give you the whole story. I come for men talk. My wife say, how was men talk? Good. That's the headline. <laughs> she come from women of work or wherever she going. I said, well, how was it? Well, you know, when we got started, we had a little breakfast, and then we moved into our classroom, and then we were talking about honor, and we were talking about this, and then, you know, one sister, she raised her hand, and I mean, it just went from there, and then she go on and on and on and on, and I'm like, yeah, okay, man. Uh -huh. Oh, and let me tell you this right here. Uh, what? But you know, since I've been in this relationship, I've learned how to listen. And then I act like I want to listen. I don't be over there with my eyes in the back of my head. Oh, shoot, dog, cat. I wish you'd hurry up. I don't do none of that. What? And, and what did you say, babe? See, that's how you got to do it. See, now you're going to be in there when you act like you're listening. You got to act like you're But, man, oh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. All right, okay, a man, he's responsible to provide money. Woman, responsible for children and all. That's our primary responsibility, right? Number five, men are aggressive protectors. Women are helper, supporter, protected. Sad man don't want to protect his, his, his wife. You go in your protected mode, right? So she can be protected. Your protector mode. So, all right, men think, and they're, they're, they're logical thinkers, Right? Women are more feeling-oriented. They want you to feel what they're saying. And see, they start telling you stuff, and then we say, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And she said, you know, what you think about it? You, you, don't, you don't understand what I'm doing? You ain't feeling what I'm No. What you want me to do? What you want me to do? And then don't say, well, you just get over it. That's the wrong answer. 
please, brothers, do not commit that sin when you just look at them and say, well, just get over it. That's a sin. And when you say that, that's a, you, it, that right then, you just like pouring gas on a fire because they're going to show enough talk about it now. You ain't over that yet? Wrong answer. You work through it with them. You work through it with them. Okay, baby, what about let's try this? Now, nah, uh-uh, I ain't feeling that, okay? All right, what about this? Maybe we can do this right here. I'm going to tell you how we're going to do it. Okay. See, you, you involve yourself in it and saying, hey, I'm with you on this. Because since we already fix it or in it, you just tell me the problem, girl. I got you. I got you. I can fix this. You just tell me the problem. Big daddy got this. Big daddy got it. So now, you got to get yourself in there and get more involved. If you got to turn the television off, if you got to record something, all right, right now, this is very important. The game, you can record it. You can back it up like on mine. It already, listen, this new idea of technology has blessed my life, has saved us. <laughs> GPS have saved me. I'm going to tell you, with the GPS, your wife's still going to tell you which way to go. The lady talking on the GPS, and she talking too. You got the GPS in this ear, and you got your wife in the other ear. So what you got, you got two GPS systems. You can't go wrong. <laughs> All right, somebody ain't laughing at that. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Make note of this. I know y'all got tired of me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. Men function from the head, but women function from the heart. Make note of that. Men function from the head, but women function from the heart. That's the difference. You got it? So God took something from the man and made a help me that would supply and complement him. Now we can be uh, comparable but not the same. We, being first lady, we're not the same, but we work together as one. See, she represents the feminine side of me, and I represent the masculine side, right? So that's how it works. And so... What was once one became two. And in a marriage, the two became one again. You got it? And now with each other, they are incomplete. Without uh, each other, you're incomplete. So you were two, but you became one. When you got married, you became one again. And so men tend to be secure in themselves, but women tend to be insecure by themselves. 
And so when a, a husband is preoccupied with other people, things, and activities, his wife may become insecure. You know what she's saying? You know what, you know what you're saying to her? That all the other things are more important than her. Now, she don't mind you helping people to other things like that, but when you don't do things for her, you're sending her a message that everybody else is more important than her. Hallelujah. I see folk that go help other folk at they, uh, somebody else's house, go help do their yard and everything, and they get their grass that high as up like they him. You go help cut somebody else's yard, and your wife asks you to cut the yard, and that grass here, you're like, you got to get through there like a jungle sometimes to make you wonder how you keep from going under. Huh? You go help other folk kids. Oh, yeah, uh, her son needs me as a mentor. And you got your own knuckleheads right here, and you won't say a word to them. Turn it into babies, and you around there helping somebody else. Huh? You might not like this kind of teaching, but it's going to help you if you listen. We don't holler at you long enough. Now it's time to get a response. So the question is asked, what women want from their husband? What do women want from their husband? Don't get them to leave right now, man, because she know you, you know. You. Number one, she wants companionship, if you're right. Make intimate conversation with her. Women love to talk. So she won't compassion. So, well, Bishop, I'm not much of a talker. Well, you got to start learning how to talk. Say, so, Lord, you got to go pray. Lord, I only said five words last night. Give me five more tonight. <laughs> you got to pray that you learn how to have a conversation with her because she loved to talk. And you know by the time she get home, she's just warming up. Number two, she wants compassion. Be enthusiastic and attentive to her when you are at home and help her around the house. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Some of you all, you, you, you go to other folk houses, and they, 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 ah, you need some help with the dishes and everything. And she looking at you like, I know you didn't. <laughs> Did you just say that you want to help with the dishes? And Joker, I ask you to wash some dishes in that sink right now. She won't, she, listen, y'all. She won't com compassion. She wants you to understand what she's doing. And, and if, you, if, you, if you got some compassion for her, you'll help out. Press that to tell you. She'll tell you, she ain't going to lie. I help with dishes. I wash dishes. I do laundry. Hallelujah. I wipe down the table when I remember.
Hallelujah. I go, I get the groceries. Now this is, I know I do this here. When we're in the bed and if somebody need to go get something, guess who's going to get up? Anybody a witness to that? Babe, would you just, I, I, you ain't, I, I know, I, ain't, I don't want mean to bother you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And then when you come out, she's like, you just so sweet. No, 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 don't be trying to butter me up. You just so sweet. I don't know what I'm going to do without you. Oh, and I run back in there again. <laughs> Okay, all right. <laughs> now, she don't only want that. Am I doing all right so far, ladies? Huh? And another thing she wants is romance. You got to establish a regular schedule or a date. Surprise her. She wants romance. I feel you, man. You say, well, Bishop, now listen, I ain't, I ain't with all that romance stuff. You know, I ain't with all that mushy, mushy. I ain't never been one like that. I, don't, I ain't with all that stuff, and I can't do all that. And you know why you're not good at that? Because you don't do it. The more you do it, the better you get at it. You good at playing cards. How you get good at playing cards? You practice it, right? You good at throwing, slapping them bones down, pop, uh-huh. How'd you get good at that? Huh? You good at them vicho games? Your thumbs, we walk around her like this here, right here. How'd you get good at that? You practice. So how you going to get good at romance and you don't never do it? That's why you ain't no good at it. That's why you stink in it, because you don't never do it. You got to start practicing. And if you don't know, ask your wife. She'll tell you how to romance her. She'll coach you. Come here, baby. Let me show you this right here. Give me your hand. We're going to hold hands. You thought I was going to say something? I didn't. She's talking about, ah. I'm afraid of that. Ah. We're going to hold hands. Give me your hand. We're going to hold hands. <laughs> I faked you out, didn't I? Uh -huh. Faked you out. Uh -huh. She know. She know. Hallelujah. Ha, that's all I'm going to say, hallelujah. I'm like, clip for hallelujah. You don't say hallelujah, you say hallelujah. All right, romance, then you got to have affection. Say I love you more often. Phone calls during the day. Sometimes my wife just left the house, and I'm right there driving behind her. I just call her. I say, hey, you driving that uh, car up in front of me? I like to talk to you. She said, well, now, you want to talk to my husband first about this. I said, I talked to him. He said, it's all right. No, he, she said, he didn't tell me that. I just called to tell you I love you. Well, who are you calling me telling you I love you? I, who, I don't know you. <laughs> we playing these little games, right? I'm your husband, girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I love you, too. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And listen, to, to, to be affectionate, you don't have to know how to sing. Well, see, I can't be affectionate. I don't know how to sing. And, uh, no, 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 no. If you know how to reach in your pocket, you could, you could be affectionate. 
That money will help you be affectionate. Think about it. When folk give you a card, you give you a card, you, you open that card, you back. I'll get to that later. You open that card, you see something in there, like, ooh, that good card, that's so good. The words in that my mama used to do. The words in there, just so sweet. You give my mama a card, she ain't nothing in it. She's like, get that next week. Give her got a hundred dollars. Oh, this that's a beautiful card. That money make you read that card. So she need, need affection. And then and lastly, number five, she need passion. But now if you don't give her the first four, forget about number five. Ain't going to be no passion. So there are duties of a husband, the head of the house. See, God placed the husband at the head of his own house, the caretaker and the protector of the family. He's responsible to live as an example in his house. He is to love his wife as, as himself. Excuse me. He is to honor his wife. And then there are some duties of a wife. We don't like that word submission, but the Bible talks about that. Right? Submission don't mean that you're a second-class citizen. All right? I ain't got time to get into that. But now, in a marriage, sex is ordained within marriage only. I know that's up on the screen. I wanted you to see that. See, God's order is for male and female sexual activity to be carried out within the marriage. Now, it is God's idea. It's not my idea. I think it's a great idea. Thank you, Lord. But it was not my idea. It's God's idea. It is holy. It's to be odd. It's to be sacred. It is God's gift. You and your wife coming together, that's God's gift. It is to be cared for as God's possession, not ours. And if you were not married, you must not participate in the marriage activities. If you do so, you will not be operating within the blessing and the sanction of God. According to 1 Timothy 5 and 14. So anything outside of what the Bible says is out of order. See, sex outside of marriage is not only sin, it dishonors God's temple. And you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Now I'm trying to teach you right. Forget all this other stuff that they're talking about on TV and these books these people write. They don't know what they're talking about. The Bible knows what it's talking about. So the Lord did not initiate marriage just so that Adam and Eve could begin to replenish the earth. No. Husband and wife should know how to satisfy each other fully in the sexual relationship according to Proverbs 5, 15 through 23. Bible talks about all that stuff. So a woman is a well that must be drawn out and a man is a fountain that must be controlled. See, a fountain out of control will flood everything. Fire out of control will burn up everything. That's why you have to control that fire so you can cook in your house. You got to control that water. You got to have something to turn it on, turn it off, or it will flood the whole house. So you are a fountain, and she is a well to be drawn out. Amen. 
And a lot of time a well need to be primed in order to get something out of it. So that's where you come in at by priming her, getting her right so that she can be fully engaged with you. Now we got children in here so I'm careful. So men are ready for a physical relationship anytime, but wives are not. They must be prepared with our words. You don't just get into bed at 10 o'clock, then 10.05, how about it? <laughs> and then she's going to look at you, how about what? How about some sleep right about now? You ain't spoke to me all day long talking about some how about it. You ain't said not one kind word to me. You didn't tell me I'm pretty, I'm beautiful. You ain't said nothing. And you talking about five minutes after we get into bed, how about it? How about you going to sleep? And quit bothering me. But if you've been talking to her all day long, y'all all in the grocery store, she reach up there, get something off the shelf, and you all behind her and everything. You know, touching her and everything. Go on, man, quit. Stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. By the time you get there at, by the time you get there at 10, she be like, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Because of the words that you've been speaking to her. And you've been mean to her all week long. And then you tell me, how about something? How about you uh-huh, go take you a cold shower? How about that? You got to draw that, draw the water out of the well. Got to prime it. I'm a good primer. I get a lot of water out of the well. Hi, ya, 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 ya. I'm looking at you now. How many of my brothers are good primers? Hallelujah. You got to, you got to say, Lord, help me to be a good primer. <laughs> All right, let me finish. Let me finish. You must communicate and give fully to satisfy your spouse. It should be a celebration of love and a time of giving and unity. Y'all should be celebrating all the time. Mutual consent, agreement, not only in when, but also in how. And so we will never get to the Christian family until we know how to have good marriage. So Christianity is the only strong foundation for a successful family life. God's purpose for the family, the whole plan of God for mankind is centered around the family. So if you remove it, you remove the basic foundation ingredient of the purpose of God for establishing the human race. So note that purpose is the key to fulfillment. When purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. When you don't know your purpose, you're going to mess some stuff up. Every man got to know their purpose. Every woman got to know their purpose. What is my purpose? Is to aggravate you? That's not my purpose. That's not my purpose. So God's got a parenting plan. And 
And when we see our children as God sees them, parenting will be a joy. Now I'm, now I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about the family. I'm going to quit. Children ought to be recognized as members of the family, not its center. See, some of y'all, y'all, y'all make y'all children the center. You do more for your children than do for your spouse. They are not the center. You let little Junebug just tear up everything around the house. If I forget to put a coffee mug back, you on me like white on rice. Now look, you know, uh, Fina over here, she can just do everything. Oh, she's so cute. And she breaking up your china in the house. Tell me, I'm playing flying salsa. I'm playing flying. I'm playing flying. Little Fina going to need to get a little tap tap. Oh, y'all getting quiet. Now, y'all don't believe in tapping. Okay. So when parents violate this God-ordained priority, they, they, they alter the uh, intrinsic uh, psychological uh, elements necessary for normal child development. So here it is. Our, our relationship priorities should be God first, then our spouse, and then the children. Got it? It shouldn't be God, the children, then our spouse. I mean, my children tried to show out on me one time. And then, you know, they, 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 tried, they tried to, you know, put me and my wife against each other. I set them down. I said, listen, you keep it up. I say, uh, it don't make me no difference. I can get some more children. <laughs> at the time, at the time, I said, we can have some more children, but I ain't saying that right now, but. But but at that, that, that time, I say we, we can, I, I get. I say I could buy me some more children. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, we ain't having it. Your mama come first, and I don't want to hear nothing else. We ain't having that in here. Hallelujah. Amen. My little daughter, you know. Yeah, I'm the daughter, and my mom said, and her mom said, I'm the mama. Well, you know, daddy take care of me for it all. You don't get it twisted. Amen. I love my daughter now, but my daughter ain't got what my wife got. Hallelujah. So children, even though they are a gift from God. God has given us responsibility for the children he gives us. And here it is, our responsibility to our children. We got to be prepared. Y'all ready? Number one, to give them love. Number two, teaching. Number three, training. And number four, correction and discipline. We got to be responsible to our children to give them them four things. Love, teaching, training, correction, and discipline. You want to have good children? That's what you got to do. It's backed up by scripture. And so the best way to teach and train our children is by example. Values are caught, not just taught. 
It's one thing to tell somebody to do something, but it's another thing to model it and be an example and let them see you do it and say, follow me as I follow Christ. How in the world I get up here teaching y'all about doing something and I'm not doing a bit of what I'm talking about? If I tell you that you got to love your wife like Christ loved the church, then I got to love mine like Christ loved the church. If I tell you you got to work it out and try not to, you know, don't get no, divorce is the, the, that's the last thing to think about. And if you really got a Christian marriage, divorce is not an option. Mm -mm, got quiet there. So the best way is to teach them by an example, all right? So, biblical correction of children, the Bible talks about the rod of correction. And I know some of you all, y'all beg to differ with me, but I follow the Bible, not what other folks say. Proverbs 13 and 24, Proverbs 19 and 18, Proverbs 22 and 15, Proverbs 28, 13 and 14, Proverbs 29, 15 to 17. It tells you to use the rod of correction. Now, we can call it a belt, we can call it a stick, we can call it a paddle, what do we call it? But it's for correction. It's not just to beat you, just to be beating you. It's to correct you. Got it? If you're corrected, you get less rod. If you ain't corrected yet, you get more rod. Hallelujah. You got to make up your mind when you're not going to get no more rod. Remember, my was 13, she said, I ain't getting no more. That's my last whipping. I ain't getting no more. To this day to that one, she didn't get not one. She said, all right, now don't talk about me. <laughs> but she corrected it. Now she got her own. And that same thing we had to get out for her, she got to get out for them and then some. And two main reasons for correcting your children. You ready? Willful disobedience. That's why you got to correct them according to Ephesians 6 and 1, Micah 6 and 8. And then the second one is wrong attitude. Some of your children got the worst attitude. They disrespectful. They don't know how uh -huh, to be manable. They talk to grown folk any kind of way. They, don't, they got the worst attitude. A child must learn first time obedience. You obeyed the first time, not the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, not the one, two, three, four. They didn't count when I was coming up. They said, come here. You know you're in trouble when my mom put her teeth together. Come here. And I mean now. cut up at the grocery store if you want to. And it look like they're not shame. They're going to make you shame, but they ain't shame. My mama said, I have to come out there to that school, and they come out there to put their wig on. Sometimes it kind of need to be adjusted. And they come out there. You be ducking and hiding in the classroom. You're like, what mama doing out here? If they got to come out there, I'm telling you, you're going to get one of the worst whippings you ever got. And when they say, I'm going to get you where you're going to be able to sit down, they mean that. 
That's why you standing up. Well, I just want to stand. <laughs> you know you lying. I just want, I feel like standing up today. I'm going to do my lesson standing up. <laughs> but here it is. You never correct out of anger. I know I'm going a little longer, but I, in a different age, this is what we need to have different parenting uh, emphasis. All right, you ready? Number one, birth through five, love and, and discipline. Five through ten, teaching and training. 10 through 15, encouragement and motivation. 15 through 20, openness. Uh-huh, y'all talking. Right? So God wants us not to provoke our children to anger or discouragement. So we do this by how do we discourage them? How do we provoke them to anger? When you're not having time for them, that's how you provoke them. You provoke them to anger, not in, in, in instructing them and training them. You provoke them to anger, not giving them, you know, uh, you, uh, uh, your self -worth, their self-worth and security. You provoke them by quenching their drive and their creativity. You ain't going to be that boy. Shut up. You don't you know what you're doing. No. You quench, you, you provoke them by not leading them. And you provoke them, worst of all, abusing them. I'm done, but this is my last thought. Dignity is the child's most valuable possession. And dignity is our most valuable possession. Don't destroy that. Don't destroy that. Some of y'all are having problems with your relationship now because your dignity got destroyed when you was younger. You feel like you were a nobody. You feel like you couldn't do nothing right because how you was talked to when you were coming up. That's the end of my series right there. But we got to move from being a good individual so that we can be good in our marriage so that we can be a good member of a church, so that we can be a good community. It builds, it builds, it builds. Let me tell you something. God is moving you from worrying to winning. All that you've been through up until now, once you put that stuff behind you, it's not for you to worry about it and lose sleep over and have ulcers and all that kind of other stuff you got going it's going to affect your health and we need you we need you here a long time we need you up and going we don't need you worried about nothing I want you to have the best family there is but it begins with you as an individual everybody's standing